Welcome to another inspiring podcast from C3 New Hope. For more information about our church and its locations, please visit our website at c3newhope.com.au. got your Bibles here today, guys, why don't you turn to Matthew chapter 3. Speaking of Matthew, why don't we give Maddie a round of applause. Thanks, Maddie. He's actually back from sabbatical. Um, he's had the month of August off and uh, he's looking fresh and ready to go and um, so grateful for the Matthews of our world. And, but Matthew chapter 3 here today, uh, this is actually the baptism of Jesus. And it says, then Jesus went from Galilee to Jordan, the Jordan River to be baptized by John. But John tried to talk him out of it. Sometimes I'd love to be in certain conversations and I'd love to be able to see how John would like to be able to talk the Son of God out of something. (laughs) Just trying to figure out how he would actually be able to tackle that kind of conversation. But he actually had a really good argument because he had said, I am the one who needs you to baptize me. So why are you coming to me, he said. But Jesus said, it should be done for we must carry out all that God requires. Oh, that we would be a church. Oh, that we would be individuals. Oh, that we would be families who would carry out that very message there. That because Jesus asked for it, because his father asked for it, we would carry it through. Because it says it in the word, that's good enough for him, it's good enough for me. That we'd be indeed stirred that even if it doesn't necessarily make sense, we will carry it out. For John the Baptist in that moment, it didn't make sense that he was meant to be baptized Jesus. But because it was said, because his father called him to do it, he said, all right, let's go and do it. We must go and do it. So John agreed to baptize him. After his baptism, as Jesus came out of the water, the heavens were opened. I don't know if you're like me, but my mind goes to places where I'd love to be able to imagine and picture, what does it actually look like? Like the heavens, the word says, are opened. Again, I don't know about you, but the closest thing I can think of sometimes, if you've ever been on a really long road trip beforehand, and you're starving, like you're hungry, like you can't, you can, all you want to do is eat and eat and eat. And you've been traveling for a while, and in the distance, you see those beautiful golden arches. <laughs> it's like heaven's opened up for you, like, oh, thank you, God, you provided for me, thank you, God. Anyone ever been there beforehand? That's got nothing to do with this one moment right now, but you know, it says that the heavens were opened, and they saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and settling on him. That's the Spirit of God. That's what he does. It's not harsh. It's not heavy. The Spirit of God settled on him. And it says that a voice from heaven said, This is my dearly loved Son who brings me great joy. My dearly loved Son who brings me great joy. You know, the NIV version, that little phrase there, it's spoken as, This is my Son whom I love, whom I'm well pleased with. And this morning, I want to be able to speak to you briefly about the Father's heart. I want to speak briefly and remind us all here today of the great heart that the Heavenly Father has for you. And this is for the men. This is for the women. This is for the younger guys, the older guys. This is for every single person here today to understand today and have a revelation of the Father's heart. So I want to speak into three things. And the first one here today is you are a child of God. You are a child of God. If you're taking notes here this morning, take these notes down. You are a child of God. And as I thought about this phrase, you are a child of God, not 
You are a child of God through birth, not through worth. John 3 talks about the fact that when we have become saved, when we ask our lives to be saved by him, we are formed into a family. It also says that we are, we are a newborn creation, the Bible says. And so we are born into this family. We're reborn into this family, the Bible says. And I want to encourage us here today that, that your worth, God gives you worth, but you're not, you're not a child just because you're worth he actually, because of us being reborn, because of our, our position before him, he actually calls us a child of God because of his great love for us here today. I want to be able to go through to a, a scripture, a very well-known scripture in Luke chapter 15, and it's the parable of the lost son. And Luke 15, it says in verse 20, speaking to the father's heart here right now. You know, when I talk about, when we, when we hear about the, the parable of the lost son, so much emphasis is actually often on the lost son. But today I actually want to be able to identify and be able to bring out the great love of the father in this particular case here. And for those who are new to the church or new to this particular scripture, we hear about how there is a son who is a part of his father's household and he calls for an early inheritance. He actually calls and says, hey, I want to be able to cash in my inheritance and I want to go and do things my own way. And he goes and does those things. He goes and lives his life. He goes ways and walks away from his father's house. And he goes and lives a certain kind of way. And the Bible says he lives according to the world's ways. And you know, that's so often our story. That we walk away and we do our own thing. And he gets to this place where he's actually feeding from pig's, um, from pig's pen. He's feeding from a place where he's in a place of slavery, not sonship. And he comes to this place of realisation, and my prayer is that each and every single one of us will have this same realisation, that this is not the way that his father had intended him to live. And rather, instead of staying in that moment, he has this courage, he has this boldness to be able to say, there's a better way. And so he goes and turns away. He turns himself away from the pig's pen, and he starts returning back to the father, which is where we pick up the story in verse 20. It says, so he returned home to his father while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. How is it that his father saw him coming from a long way away? His father saw him coming from a long way away because his father was waiting on the city gates. His father was longing for his son to be returning. His father was longing and desiring for his son to be reunited in his house, in his home, with his family. His father was indeed longing and waiting, desiring. And this is the father's heart here this morning, that he longs for each and every one of us. He waits for every single one of us. He desires for us to be close and desires us to be back in relationship and says that he was filled with love and compassion. It says he ran to his son, he embraced him and kissed him. Look at this, you've got to understand that in this, in this time, this culture, this context, these kind of men of this kind of stature did not run. People ran to him. People in this time, that they didn't embrace freely. They didn't necessarily go and kiss publicly. There was actually a throwing away of what contextually was right to do during this time. And he says, I'm throwing that away because I love my son and I can see him. He's reuniting and he's coming to me. And so he says, he threw all those things away, embraced him and kissed him. He said, his son said to his father, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you. This is the moment of repentance taking place. And I no longer 
am worthy of being called your son. <laughs> but I love the father's response here. This is God's response. But his father said to his servants, quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet and kill the calf that we have been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast, he says. The son of men, for this son of mine, he calls him for this son of mine. He doesn't say this slave that walked away. He says, this son of mine was dead and now has returned to life. He was lost, but now he has been found. So let the party begin. Jesus calls us, God our Father calls us his children. Each and every single one of us is a child of God. He loves us dearly. And so if we are his child, the next phrase there I want you to write down is that he loves you. He loves you. For this is my son for whom I love. Those two things. You are loved. You know, God is crazy for you. He's crazy for you. We flick across to Ephesians chapter 1. I love this scripture. It says, even before he made the world, God loved us. Can we get that picture just for a second in our minds? Before the earth was formed. We're going back to Genesis chapter 1 time, 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 times right now. Before the earth was formed, Jesus, God, the Holy Spirit, already had a love for each and every single one of us. He'd already planned that out. That God loved us and chose us in Christ. Everyone say, in Christ. Christ. Everyone put your right hand up right now and say, in Christ. Christ. You are in Christ. We are in Christ. What does that mean? It means that there's a covering that Jesus Christ has been giving us right now. It means that the way that the Father sees his son, Jesus, he sees the same way for us right now. It means that we have been covered. It means that the, the way that he forgives, the way that he loves, the way that he pours out, it's the same thing, that we are indeed in Christ. There's over 135 different times in the New Testament where the Bible says that we are in Christ. The Bible's trying to get us to understand that we are now in Christ, that we can abide in Him. And it's because of Him that we are now find ourselves in a place where we can be holy and without fault in His eyes. And God decided in advance. He pre-committed. Here's the thing. He knew the sin of the world that would come. And yet He still decided that He would go and love us regardless of that. One of the most powerful scriptures I know of is that for whilst we'll still sin us, Christ died for us. Whilst we'll still sin us. He didn't wait for us to try and get ourselves all cleaned up and all worthy and all right before God. That whilst we'll still sin us, Christ died for us. We find ourselves that he pre-decided in advance. <laughs> Sometimes Ali asks me for dinner. Hey, what do you want for dinner? And I'll say, oh... How about we get some spaghetti or something like that? No, I don't feel like spaghetti. Oh, what about we get some Thai instead? No, I don't feel like Thai. I said, well, what do you want, darling? No, what do you want, Dan? No, whatever you want. <laughs> like, oh, okay. Um, what about some, some Indian? No, I don't like Indian. No, no, no. no. <laughs> and then she goes, what about some, like, I don't know, Nando or something like that? I'm like, so hold on, you've already pre-decided this conversation, <laughs> and now you want to actually get me to try and agree with you. And he says, let's go get Nando's. There's no worries. We can do that. 
But he says he's decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself. To adopt us. This is the sort of, we were once out and we are brought in. Shane Neves, where are you, mate? Some great news for the Neves family. This week they are going down to the courthouse and they are signing paperwork to be able to celebrate their two young children being adopted into their family. We celebrate you. Amen, amen. But there is an adoption process that takes place for us where we are indeed brought into the family of God. This is the beautiful thing about being saved. This is the beautiful thing about being in Christ. Being brought to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, the Bible says. And it gave him great pleasure. He didn't have to do it, but it gave him great pleasure. So he praised God for the glorious grace he has poured out on us who belong to his dear son. You know, this week I had one of the best weeks I've had in many, many weeks. I'll tell you why. I had a long list of to-do lists. Can you put your hand up if you're a to-do list person? Hey, I'm, I'm a to, I, even if it's not on the list and I do it, I add it to the list. And then I t- put a line through. I love it, right? It's something about achieving something and getting things done. I just love to do, right? And so I've got my to-do list and barely any of it got done this week. And usually I finish that week and I'm feeling like all antsy, a bit annoyed, a bit frustrated because I haven't taken the kind of ground that I want to be able to take. On those particular weeks, I'm often out mowing the lawn three times on Saturday just to say I can actually mow the lawn and get something done and feel like I've actually achieved something for the week. But this week was all different for some reason, and I know why. God had better plans, by the way. This week I had the chance to be able to sit in my office and lead two different people to Jesus this week. And I can see them here this morning, and I won't put them out today, but I'm proud of you. Well done. Excited. But what's more exciting for me is actually that I had three different messages from three different people in this church, and I heard about their testimony about, hey, Dan, I've been praying for this person, and today they were healed. Hey, Dan, I've been praying for this person, and today they came along to Connect Group. Today I've been praying for this person, and they've been saved today. And I believe that, that God is doing something in our midst right now, and it is exciting. <laughs> I only get sidetracked just for a second, but I actually I can see what God is doing right now. That He's been so kind to us in the gathering process. But what we're starting to see right now is like the assembling taking place and the actual um, releasing of the saints, which is really exciting to be able to see. I love the gathering on Sunday. We will always gather on a Sunday. We always come together and be able to worship his name. That is something that we always do. But more than that, we are called to be his saints that go into the world and make a difference. Actually, God gave me a bit of a vision a little while ago. I was chatting to our, our prayer team um, our via Zoom. must have been, when was that, Ruth? Like two or three weeks ago, sometime like that. And uh, I was saying to them that, I really feel like this is taking place in our church, but what was actually taking place was an Ezekiel 47 picture. And for those who don't necessarily know about Ezekiel 47, it was a prophecy, as a, a vision that was given that, that the river of God will be leaving the temple and would actually go from the temple to the Dead Sea. Now, the Dead Sea was signified by being salty and things couldn't live in it. 
But what was happening is as the fresh river of God was going there, everywhere it was going, the Bible says that there was like life that was going nuts all through them. And so on the banks, the trees were rising up. And on the banks, there's the fruit trees going up. And in the water, there was fish being able to swim. And there was health everywhere around. But as it got to the Dead Sea, it says that the, uh, the water overpowered the saltiness. And that as it entered into the Dead Sea, what takes place is there's that life enters into that space. And I'm praying that we'll be indeed a church, that as we leave the temple, as we leave this place, we find ourselves indeed going into the community and the rivers get deeper and the rivers get more holy and the rivers get more worthy and the rivers come themselves of, of more worship. And what we see is actually people's lives being transformed in the moments. This is where I feel like God's calling us to right now. Anyway, it says here, I'm getting distracted. For the glorious grace that came upon him and poured for those who belong to his son. How do you belong? Well, you give your life to Jesus. You surrender yourself. It says, He is so rich in kindness and grace that He purchased. It cost Him something. Let's never forget that. It cost Him something. Our, you know, cost, he purchased our freedom with the blood of His Son and forgave His sins. For He has showered us in, showered His kindness on us along with all wisdom. And understanding. What a beautiful scripture. And here's the thing because we are in Christ, we receive this beautiful, pure, holy love that just as God loved his son Jesus, he loves us too. We are his children, he, we are loved. The third one, this word of with whom he is pleased. Now, I looked into what this, what this pleased means. And I went into the original Greek to be able to find out what this word pleased means. And this word means, let me give you some Greek here today, is yukondo. Yukondo. Now, you means good. Yukondo means I think. So this, I think you are good is in some ways a roundabout way of being able to say what he's saying right now. But as I dug deeper into this particular word, it wasn't necessarily just, I think you are good. It's actually, you are favoured, you are chosen, and I've already decided to love you. And this is the Father's heart for every single person right here today. That you are favoured, if Ollie comes out from child's ministry right now and, and the uh, child's work comes and says, your son's been doing something, I'm saying, no, he did not. It's the rest of the kid's problem, all right? <laughs> He's been favoured, all right? I'll, I'll favour him right now. No, the truth is I'll probably say, yeah, exactly right. You are exactly right. Everything you're saying right now is truth. <laughs> you're favoured. You're chosen. You're set apart. On Father's Day, I'll never forget, just over 10 years ago now, holding my daughter for the very first time. I've got to be careful of how much details I give right now. I'll look to the front row, I'll make sure I'm not overstepping the mark. Ali was getting fixed up out there. And, uh, because I had a C-section. Because she had a C-section, uh, that's right. And you want to come tell the story, darling? Or are you right? Okay. <laughs> She's out. And the nurse comes 
and plonks. I use the word plonk deliberately. It wasn't like a, here's your daughter. It's like, here's your daughter. It's like, oh, careful. Like She's fragile. It's okay. She plonks Ivy in my hands for the very first time. And it was in this little room that was to the side. Ivy was five weeks premature. Is that right? Five-ish. Five-ish. And, um, and so she had to get a few more tests done and get looked after. She wasn't necessarily breathing all that great and whatnot. And anyway, so, but for about two or three minutes, Ivy's in my hands for the very first time. And it was like my understanding, the whole time I'm thinking, don't drop the child, don't drop the child. Ali's going to kill me if I drop this child right now. So I'm like, ah, don't drop it, don't drop it. Anyway, so I, I find myself in a place where I'm sitting down. I, um, I don't know why, but I actually took a video. I should have shown the video today, but and I gave Ivy a little bit of a shake. And I thought, don't shake the baby down. Don't shake the baby. Don't do that. <laughs> but it's like I, I held her for the first time. And my understanding of what love was completely got obliterated. I'd say for most of the dads in the room here today, you will know what I'm talking about. This sense of your mind can't believe I kind of made you. This is, you're here. For most of you guys, you know our story. It was, it was a long journey to that moment. And it was like this like, significant spirit moment took place that felt like it went for about two hours. But it was probably only about two or three minutes. And it's like for the first time I had this greater understanding of the Father's heart for us. There was nothing my daughter could do for me to make me love her more. There was nothing my daughter could do to make me in a sense where she was set apart more than what she already was. I remember looking into her eyes and just being filled with this pride and this joy and this, this desire to look after her and to love her and to lead her and to show her the way for the rest of the days of her life. And the same is still true today as a 10-year-old. I looked into her eyes this morning and said, I love you. You're beautiful. You're set apart. And as I had that moment, it was like God deposited in me for the very first time this is this new picture of what his love truly is. And my prayer is that every single person here in this room today will indeed understand how this revelation of the Father's heart for you. You are his child. You are loved. And that he is well pleased. I had pre-decided at that moment I would love my daughters for the rest of my life. And this is the Father's heart for every single person right now. Some of you battle this sense of being worthy or not. I want to come against that here today. There's nothing you can do to be able to separate you from the love of the Father. That the very reason he sent his one and only son Jesus to the cross was for you. I feel like paradigms and minds are going to be changed in this next little moment as we pray, as you fully grasp, fully throw me the wrong word, because I don't think we'll ever understand the Father's heart. But we will take some grounds inbound to understand the Father's heart. You are loved. In a world today that preaches and screams out that you're not, you've got to earn your love. This is not the Father's heart he has for you. 
the Father's heart is come, draw close. I want you to walk eyes closed right now. I want to pray. We hope you've been encouraged by this message. For more information about C3 New Hope and its locations, please visit our website at c3newhope.com.au. Oh, 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 oh,